0: Hello everybody and welcome once again as we continue on in our study that we're doing uh, through the New Testament and and now we're in the book of John. We're actually in John chapter 2 this week. Um, We have uh, previously studied Matthew and Mark, two of the three synoptic gospels. Um, Matthew, Mark and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. We've talked about why that is in in the sense that... um, they they seem to pretty much uh, uh, share their versions of similar stories and activities. Um, we're going to get to Luke, but we're going to do John first because then I wanted to do Luke and Acts together because they're written by the same author. And so we've moved into John, which you're going to find to be a little bit different. Um, there's a lot of similarities, obviously. We're talking about the same ministry uh, of Jesus and, and how he did things, but John's take on it is quite different. Um, we're going to see in the Gospel of John, things that we didn't see in the synoptics, um, and, and uh, those include all the I am statements that Jesus makes, I'm the bread of life, I'm the door, I'm the gate, I'm the good shepherd, um, all of those are unique to the Gospel of John, and um, we're introduced to uh, some people in different ways, we, we get to see some encounters, and um, John uses people to sort of represent some things that, that we need to look at. And while each of the synoptic Gospels was sort of written to a targeted audience, John's Gospel is more universal. Um, uh, and uh, when anybody asks me where they should start reading the Bible, I always start them in the book of John. Uh, it's a, just a well-written, good starting place. And the first few chapters are about salvation, primarily, um, which, is the, which is what needs to happen for the rest of the book to make sense. Um, you can read the Bible a lot, and until you come to faith in Christ... It doesn't make much sense. Um, uh, but only after, then all of a sudden, all sorts of things begin to make sense. As the Spirit of God begins to illuminate the, the, the Scripture, it uh, comes alive. And all of a sudden, you, you begin to see things you hadn't seen. And that's why um, it, it's so different after you come to Christ. I don't know how many of you can, can relate to the difference. Personally, in my own life, I tried to read the thing several times uh, as a young man, and it never made sense to me. And then, when I got uh, saved, when I was 25, all of a sudden it made complete sense. And and I can only attribute that to the movement of the Spirit of God in my life. It was the same stuff. It just I could never get I never really could get that excited about it um, prior to that because it was like, well, what What's this all about? So uh, John is going to hopefully open our hearts uh, for all those things and then uh, help us to see. Uh, some things that perhaps we haven't seen before we will still see though the encounters with the pharisees and uh, the pharisees still don't like jesus even in this book Um, you will see though underneath it and 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 next week we'll start talking about an encounter um, that jesus has with one of the pharisees named nicodemus and uh, very interesting to see some behind the scenes discussion that goes on in the whole process. I think it will open our eyes to a lot of the stuff that we've already looked at and seen together. So let's go ahead and uh, I'm going to read John chapter 2, short chapter, 25 verses. It's there in your notes. You can read along your Bibles. Pick up a Bible off the pew if you want, whatever, or you can just listen to my soothing tone. Thank you very much. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much drink, but you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, pardon me, to Capernaum, ...with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found men selling cattle, sheep and doves... ...and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple area, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market his disciples remembered that it is written zeal for your house will consume me then the jews demanded of him what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this and jesus answered them destroy this temple and i will raise it again in three days the jews replied it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days but the temple he had spoken of was his body after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in a man. And blessed be the word Of the Lord. Okay. Interesting stuff in those 25 verses. Um, Jesus' first miracle. This whole business of Him turning water into wine. Now, pretty interesting. And, you know, a lot of people have um, sort of used this passage for lots of different reasons. And uh, let's try and break it down and then we'll, we'll talk about it as to what it's really all about and what it means. Um, the first thing, John, when he records a miracle, he uses a, a word in the Greek that's interesting because he always writes them down as signs. There, there are several words for miracles in the New Testament. Um, one, of them, one of the other ones has to do with power or uh, dunamis is the word we see that most of the time. But, but John records them whenever he talks about the miracles, even if it says miracles, the word he's actually using is signs, that Jesus did these things, and it's, it's because he's trying to get the, um, the point where it needs to be. It's not about the miracle, it's a sign about the one who's doing the miracle. It's to point people to Jesus as Messiah. It's not for them to get stuck on the miracles, and yet, that's what a lot of them get stuck on, and it's what most of them want to see. If you watch the text and you read what's happening, they ask for signs and miracles. uh, That's what they're looking for instead of the one who's doing them. And the Pharisees know the miracles and yet still miss the the point, which is that the one they've been waiting for, Jesus Messiah, has come. The Messiah has come. And, And these miracles are a sign that he's among them, that the kingdom of God is near. But they don't often see them that way. But anyway, this first sign, this first miracle, was a very private one. And um, only the disciples, who had already been called, Now, I, I don't think he's got his whole group with him yet. Um, if, you, if you note that when the, the passage starts out, um, it starts out funny because it says the third day, on the third day. It's talking about three days after the calling of Philip and Nathaniel. So it recorded for sure, we got four in there that he's picked up so far. So it's probably not the full group yet. And it would explain why none of the synoptics have there, because if Matthew wasn't there, the other guys sort of borrowed off of Matthew. Mark and Luke borrow heavily from Matthew. If Matthew wasn't there to see it, he didn't write about it. And so we have a smaller group of disciples. It's a very early part of Jesus' ministry that's happening here. And and uh, this is his very first miracle. that's recorded, in it's very private, in that the disciples saw it, Jesus' mother sees it, and, and uh, however many servants there were who were scooping it out of these uh, ceremonial pots, they're involved. And so, um, here's this wedding. Now, wedding feasts, at this point in time, lasted up to seven days. That's a pretty long time. Um, lots of things happen in sevens, though, in, in Scripture. And um, it was all part of an extended ceremony. And we've talked about but but it's worth talking about again. Uh, and because it's so important to us in understanding um, some of the things that Jesus did, when and you've heard me say this, when a young man saw a young woman in Jewish custom and he he wanted to marry her, and we we often tell you that 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 that's how men men see women and go, okay, I'm in love. Um, women do it differently, thank goodness. Um, but but a man would see a woman and say, that's the girl for me. And he'd, he'd go over to the house where, where the girl was, and he would introduce himself to the parents. And he would state his case why he would make a great husband. Uh, and, uh, and the parents would weigh in on it, yes or no, and they'd have to get past the parents first. And if the parents thought, okay, you'll, you'll be just fine. Um, the, the young man would produce a glass and a flask of his own wine, and he would uh, pour the glass on the table, set it there. The young woman would be invited into the room. She knew the deal. This was part of the ceremony. And, and she would have to trust in her godly, God-given intuition, which is what women have. Um, and she would, in a very short period of time, have to determine if she felt like this was a, a good choice for her as a husband. And, and if she picked up from the glass and drank from it, his glass, it was a yes. And if she didn't, it was a no. And she would just, off she would go. On the, I don't know, the guy would probably break down weeping and, and crawl out the door Slam down his glass of wine and say, see you later. I don't know what he would do. But uh, this was the process. And then if it was a yes, um, they were pretty much officially betrothed at that time. That's what it was called, engaged, but betrothed. Uh, and the, the young man then would leave and he would prepare a place for his bride. Um, and she's going to start tying this into Scripture, right? And so, because we have someone who's preparing a place for us, right? All right. And then when it was time... See, because I tease about this, but the young man wanting to go then and, and, and pick up his wife would probably very quickly try and throw something together and say, okay, home, home sweet home, you know, which could involve, you know, like hanging up um, one of those things that you swing on. What is that thing? Hammock, thank you. And uh, done. Here we go, sweetie. Um, but the father of the groom would determine when everything was made right. And only when the father said, okay, it's time, you can go get your bride, could he go. So, how does that relate to us? Um, just in the beginning, well, uh, the communion that we celebrate was interrupted, funny, by Jesus' third cup in, the cup of redemption, this is my blood. But the whole ceremony changes that point, And basically, at that point, he's extending the glass to the disciples as a representative of the church, and it's, a, it's this, op- this opportunity to, to join in. When they drink it, they drink it for all of the church. And every time we drink communion, that's us saying yes to Jesus. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He's making it ready. He's called the groom uh, and, and we're the bride. And, and he's coming back. And the only one who knows when he's coming back, Scripture tells us, is the Father knows. And the Father's going to send them at just the right time to get us and in kicks this wedding feast that we're waiting for. And so, traditionally, the Jewish people celebrated things, and every time they do, it's a reminder of all this stuff and all this uh, picture of ceremony that we have in the Scripture that we may not be aware of. So, so we're in this process of waiting. When he comes back, there's a big feast, right? That's the one we're all waiting for and uh, when we get together with him. Now, this feast would, uh, that they would celebrate would often last for seven days, and it was a big party. Again, it's a picture of... Uh, jesus coming back for us and and the the groom would come and take his bride they'd go back to the father's house and and after the consummation of the marriage his feast would begin and it would last for up to seven days so they're invited to a wedding feast jesus his disciples some of the friends they go to this wedding feast at some point seven days is a long time to keep a feast going the wine runs out at some time and um jesus mom looks at him and says, Can you do anything about this? Now, no. what's important, because verse 11 says this was his first miracle. I don't believe that Mary was looking for him to do something miraculous. I think she was just wondering if he could handle the situation. He was probably being who he was. He was probably pretty handy. (laughs) And probably good with problems. And he never sinned. And he was a good kid. Jesus, can you do anything about this? And he said... And when he says woman like that, it's a, very, it's a term of endearment. It's not like we say it, it doesn't sound as good now, but he's saying, he basically says, Mom, you know, why, are you, why are you trying to get me involved in this? My time, it's not my time yet. I, I'm, I'm, and, and part of that is him saying, I can only do what the Father wants me to do. It's, he's, he's trying to make sure that that's not in, in the process. But, but he somehow condescends, and um, he, he says, well, all right, fill the ceremonial pots with water, and they become white. Now, Again, to hold this in context, um, my understanding of wine back then, why it had uh, some uh, impact to it, because it was something that was fermented, Uh, it was was usually cut with water, and it helped make the water better, because they had a lot of issues with water over there, and the alcohol, the small level of alcohol would kill some of the germs in the process, but I kind of chuckle, because a lot of people use this particular passage as an excuse to to drink to excess, and, and, uh, and it's not generally the, the best sort of thing to do. So um, note that the water would have been, uh, the, the wine would have been cut back anyway, but it was part of a ceremony, and it was a picture um, uh, of, um, uh, how can I put it? When you see wine, it's often a symbol of something joyous. And, and we have to be careful that we don't twist it because of the way that we've, we've twisted the, the use of alcohol and all sorts of other things in our lives. So, so here we have this thing. Now, um, there's a lot of stuff that, that happens that, you, that, that you, if you just look at you might miss. These ceremonial pots would have been used to hold water that was used for the washing up before and after the meal, which was a big ceremony. And, and it, it was the only reason they were to be used. Um, if the the uh, master of the banquet or any other um, very religious Jew had seen where this wine was coming from, there's no way they would have taken from it um, because of what the use was supposed to be. And it's sort of one of the first pictures of how Jesus begins to sort of um, take apart the the sort of religious outward trappings and say, you're, you're missing the bigger picture. And, and so we, we see that sort of beginning to take place in the process, this... This contrast um also i think what you see is that um the the picture here is that um there's something about the best being saved for last and it's an announcement that jesus and his ministry as it comes and presents the kingdom of god and how relationship with god is supposed to be is that is a huge advance over the religious system of the day which had we had already talked about dwindled into nothing but rules and regulations, and there was no relationship left. And so it's another picture of, of this sort of taking place. It's also, um, in the Old Testament, Moses, um, if you remember, he, he had a little encounter where he did something with water too. And And what he did was, he turned water into blood. Remember that? Which is a picture of the judgment of God. Jesus turns water into wine, which I think is a picture of the joy of God and the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it's a whole different type of ministry. And, and so all these little things are sort of happening in this process. Um, as the Creator, as we, we introduce Jesus as the Word and, and, and who, who created, um, uh, you know this process of fermentation takes place over time generally. Uh, and, and yet um, Jesus did it instantly. Uh, and, and it's a picture of a transformation. And a lot, his ministry would be one of transformation. Again, all these little things are things that we can see in these first few verses here in um, the book of John. Now, um, we move into verse 12. And, and for the next five verses, we we're, we're have this in, in instance of Jesus cleansing the temple. Now, in, in our previous books uh, in the New Testament, we've, we've seen this take place as well. Uh, and we, we saw Jesus clean, cleanse the temple just towards the end of Mark. We saw that whole process happen, that uh, he did it, and we talked about that in length. Well, now, John records this is happening at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The other one's at the end, the final week. So what, what happens? I, I, I believe what happens is there's two. And, and there's one at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry that, again, there's not a full group of disciples yet, um, that he goes in and he cleans house. And it's a big statement that he's arrived, that he's on the scene. And I think it's a fulfillment, this first one of a verse in, in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. You can write it down. I'll read it to you. But um, um, there's this, this fulfillment, this sudden fulfillment that's supposed to come. Um, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. That was John the Baptist. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming Who can stand when he appears? And and it goes on. It says, For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. Jesus comes to the temple um, and he sees that it's been turned into something far different than what it was intended. And we've talked about that in our previous studies. Um, that, that the temple was a, was to be a place where people were to be able to go and connect with god and yet it had been turned into a money-making enterprise and in fact if you really needed god you couldn't even get in um you know they wouldn't allow the sick and the lepers and the uh none of these people could get to god they couldn't they couldn't get into the temple they they were denied access and, and yet uh, uh jesus comes to change all that And we see him every time he comes in there uh he's changing and he, and he always makes an entrance and an appearance at the temple and he's he's going against the established order, in the process. In this case, he he uh, he kicks everybody out. He, he makes a whip, and he drives the basically starts a stampede, drives all the cattle and stuff that's in there out. Get out! And the money changers go. Everybody out! You 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 you're desecrating my father's house. Now the disciples later on remember a verse from the psalm: "For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insult of those you insult, um, the insult of those who insult you fall on." And, and ultimately, we see that fulfilled in Christ as well. When he comes back the next time and cleanses the temple, it's the ultimate trigger for his death. It's what uh, finally takes him there. Now, uh, in, in verses 18 through 22, uh, the authorities want proof of his authority. Who are you to do these things? And what they ask for is a sign. So again, they're hung up on the miracles. They, they, they never see the one who, as a pointing to the one uh, and who he is. Show us some, some sort of sign that you're supposed to be doing this. And Jesus gives them this interesting answer that, that they just look at him and shake their head. Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. Now, they're thinking that he's talking about the temple, which has been a project. It's obviously been built for a long time because it says 46 years there. Herod's been rebuilding the temple at this point in time. And uh, they spent 46 years on it to get it to where it is at that point in time. And uh, uh, they think that's what he's referring to. But later on, the disciples figure it out. Right? John is writing now from a vantage point where he goes, later on, we figured it out. Remember all the time that he said, I'm going to die and crucified, raised again, nothing, 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 nothing. But later on, they go, well, that's what he meant. I get, that was probably a big light bulb day, don't you think? Ah! Because <laughs> he taught it over and over and over again. I'm going to be crucified, then I'm going to raise, be raised again. Yeah, right. When are you setting up your kingdom? Over and over and over and over and over. Okay, so um, they, they finally they get it, but, but the other guys don't. And then in the last few verses, it says that um, Jesus does other miraculous signs while he's there during the Passover. John doesn't choose to record them for us. But the people see him. They see the, the see, miracles that he's doing. And it says something interesting in the last few verses. It said that those people believed in his name. Now, there's a difference between that statement and what the disciples did when it says the disciples placed their faith in him and and that's the difference and that's why it says jesus didn't trust these people because what they believed in was that he was able to do these miracles but they never accepted him as their savior as the messiah they never got it the disciples did and that's what sets them apart and that's the difference and and it's a it's a major difference because there's still a lot of people today well jesus was a good guy good teacher made a difference impacted the world they don't get it they don't take it to the next step and and that's sort of the the end of chapter two and what is there and and why that's a difference it's it's one thing to believe in his name but it's another to place your faith in him and and there we see the beginning of the difference already between the disciples and everybody that hangs around and what that looks like and why there's a difference today and and you know same way today you become a disciple of jesus by placing your faith in him that's how it works And that's the end of Chapter 2. All right? Next week we'll do part of Chapter 3. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to the whole thing because I'm going to shorten it a little bit. But that's enough. Chapter 3 is really rich. So it'll probably be good to do it in two days because it's the encounter with Nicodemus and the famous lines, You must be born again. It's good stuff. And I look forward to reading it. Okay. Um, Nobody's upstairs to turn that video off for me because Barry usually does it. And uh, you do not... Um, it's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go turn it off. So, uh, uh, and you guys collect the prayer requests and have them here and I'll be back in like 30 seconds, all right? Can you do that? Nobody freak out.